Medical device makers are developing some of the latest and greatest life-saving technologies, but government healthcare reform proposals differ on how devices will be paid for and how innovation will continue in the future. Welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Stephen Eubel, who is President and Chief Executive Officer of the Advanced Medical Technology Association, also known as AdvaMed. AdvaMed represents some of the biggest medical device companies in the world, including Johnson & Johnson, Medtronic, Stryker, and General Electric's healthcare operation, just to name a few. Mr. Eubel has been involved in health policy for over a decade, dating from his work for the Federation of American Hospitals and U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley, who is one of the leading senators in healthcare, Mr. Eubel, welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD. Good to be with you, Bruce. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and we know that there is a presidential election forthcoming, and there are all sorts of healthcare proposals out there. But what I wanted to talk to you about is the healthcare reform in the device industry and what some of the major issues are, because it seems like, you know, when I talk to the employers and the health insurance people, sometimes people are kind of blaming the technology out there, not necessarily the device makers and so forth. But this really has to be accounted for in healthcare reform, and I'm hoping you could shed some light on this for us. Sure. Let me just make a, a couple of quick points. The first is our member companies, as you pointed out, are the leading innovators in uh, medical technology. And we believe that patients in America deserve the best that American medicine has to offer. So in general, we are very supportive of the effort to cover the uninsured and reform our healthcare system to be more efficient. But the second point I would make is that we really need to reorient the conversation in this country away from the cost of technology to the cost of disease. If you look at diabetes alone, I think in 2002, the direct and indirect costs associated with diabetes was $132 billion. Obviously, uh, we think uh, more technology is likely to be the answer. More treatments, more cures, more prevention is really key to being able to expand coverage. Well, and also with the way the device makers are set up, increasingly with the way research and development is spent, it's very expensive. And, and if you could talk a little bit about the healthcare reform proposals out there, maybe even some of the candidates, I mean, are these things being addressed? I know that there are issues from time to time about tax incentives and tax breaks for technology, and sometimes they talk about renewing that and sometimes they're not. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, as we look at the presidential candidates' proposals, I think there's a lot of room for optimism. If you look at the Democratic candidates, they have a fairly homogenous view of where to take the health care system, and it largely is focused on covering the uninsured. Attention and focus on chronic disease has also been mentioned in each of their platforms. On the Republican side, it tends to be a priority that's further down the list behind issues, for example, the Iraq War, terrorism, the economy, and so forth. So if we see a Republican president, I think maybe we'll see a little bit less focus but we're hopeful that we can keep the issue on the radar screen. On the Republican side, you see less of a commitment to universal coverage, more discussion around tax incentives, as you mentioned, focus on tort reform, breaking the employer tax relationship, and stimulating more private insurance, whereas on the Democratic side, you see a healthier role for government, still expanding health care through the private market, but having a Medicare for all or public plan option that would quote-unquote compete with. I say quote-unquote compete because as my members interact with the Medicare program and your 
uh, listeners interact with the Medicare program, it's not really a negotiation. Uh, the Medicare program tells you what it's going to pay you. So to say that it's true competition is a bit of an overstatement. So would the device industry, would they favor more an expansion of Medicare or would they rather work within an expansion of the private sector system that allows more people to get coverage? Where does the device industry fall? I think our view is uh, we'd like to stimulate a competitive model uh, more dependent on the private sector than on the public sector. I mean, the Medicare program is an 800-pound gorilla. I'm not sure we're that interested in seeing it become a 900-pound gorilla or a 1,000-pound gorilla through health care reform. But let me just tell you a little bit about our plan. I mean, we took the leap this year in developing a full-blown health care reform plan that's been scored by an independent third party and involved uh, experts in the field that are advising the presidential candidates. We've met with all the presidential candidates on our plan, and it's pretty straightforward. It's got four key elements, more prevention, more quality, more efficiency, and more innovation. And real quick on those items, with regard to prevention, we believe you know you really need to put your money where your mouth is in terms of better lifestyles, more preventive care. We would establish a $10 million annual fund to research best practices in this area. You know, the, a great example is the government put forward a plan on SIDS, you know, put your baby on its back, saved a lot of lives. We think there are a lot of examples there in healthcare that the government and, and the private sector can join together and promulgate best practices on quality. We believe we need to move away from paying based on volume. I mean, the system was set up 40-some-odd years ago for acute episodic care. As I mentioned at the outset, chronic disease is responsible for 75% of our nation's healthcare expenditures. We need to do a better job of making sure that when patients show up at the doctor's office in the hospital, that they're meeting the, the quality standards that we know exist. On efficiency, really speaking to health information technology there, ensuring that there are estimates all over the board, but we can take a lot of money out of the system uh, that's been inefficiently, frankly, on unnecessary or duplicative tests because health records are not keeping up with patients. And finally, on innovation, again, the bottom line, if you use diabetes as an example, our member companies are developing continuous glucose monitoring, insulin pumps, That loop is going to be closed to replicate the function of the pancreas in the not-too-distant future, which would have a tremendous impact on uh, diabetes. So at the end of the day, our view is that more treatments, better treatments, and cures are the best way to arrest increasing healthcare costs. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. And joining me from our nation's capital in Washington is Stephen Eubel. He is the president and CEO of the Advanced Medical Technology Association, which represents some of the biggest medical device makers in the world, Johnson & Johnson, Stryker, Medtronic. And these companies are all developing very expensive devices. And I'm wondering, Stephen, if you could give us an example of perhaps where the existing system may even fall short in covering devices, because I know that certain of your member companies, and some of them I write about, are getting into targeting diseases with, you know, genomic tests and so forth, where they can actually look and find out how a person is predisposed to a certain disease, but yet sometimes you hear stories about how somebody cannot get coverage for that. Is that still a problem? Absolutely. I mean, we spend a great deal of our time in Washington trying to encourage Medicare to move away from horse and buggy, you know, reimbursement and coverage policy to to really keep up with changes in technology in the 21st century. And I'll give you a couple of quick examples. You mentioned gene-based tests and proteomics. You know, there's a whole new wave of tests that are going to facilitate getting the right therapy to the right patient at the right time. Unfortunately, 
you know, Medicare has a fee schedule to, to pay for clinical laboratory tests, and it hasn't even been updated for inflation for 11 of the last 15 years. So there's precious little incentive to, to bring innovation to a space that we know can save money and better target therapies, whether it's reducing healthcare-associated infection or whether it's informing a patient whether chemotherapy will be effective or not or, or tailoring the treatment regimen. So that's one area where we think Medicare really needs to keep up. The other area you know, a particular interest to your physician audience is uh, remote monitoring technologies. Increasingly, technologies, take a defibrillator, for example, is performing double duty. Not only is it delivering the therapy to save a person's life if they have a fatal arrhythmia, but it can upload information to a physician nightly on the performance uh, associated with the device as well as treatment options. I mean, you know, congestive heart failure is the most expensive DRG in the Medicare program. If you can remotely monitor a patient, change their meds, avoid a hospital admission, you can pull a lot of money out of the system. But Medicare right now only pays for a face-to-face -face interaction with a physician. So these are the types of things, whether it's clinical diagnostics or remote monitoring, where the technology is, is rapidly outpacing Medicare's ability to, to keep up. Now, if you could handicap this for me a little bit, I mean, when we talk about some of the health insurance proposals out there, are there any specifically that are better for the device industry, one over the other? And uh, I'm not sure if you want to get too specific, but are there specific ones that, that are more technology and device friendly than others? I think it'd be hard to say. I mean, again, our overall view is that we should cover the uninsured, that universal coverage is a is a worthy goal, but that we should have a competitive marketplace, that innovation is best served when people can compete to offer the benefit packages that include technology, that if patients are not satisfied with the health plan they're in, they can vote with their feet. You know, we would be very uncomfortable with a model that strengthened the, the hand of the government in terms of regulating the practice of medicine, regulating healthcare overly. So I think the good news is if you look even at the Democratic proposals, they've moved a long ways from the early 90s and we saw the, the original Clinton health reform plan and there there is a healthy respect, I think, for the private sector and what it can do to control costs and improve patient outcomes. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. And joining me from our nation's capital in Washington is Stephen Eubel. He is the president and CEO of the Advanced Medical Technology Association, which represents some of the biggest medical device makers in the world. Well, there's a really interesting part of the plan that your association, AdvaMed, proposes in this whole idea of establishing a $10 billion fund for health promotion and disease prevention. Tell me a little bit about that because I know we know that there's a huge obesity crisis in this country and so forth. And it just seems that from my standpoint, as someone who's written about this a long time, that not enough is spent on educating the general consumer, the patients, about how to navigate the system. And I'm wondering if this would be a part of that. Absolutely. I mean, the, the numbers here are staggering. If you look at obesity since the late 80s, it is responsible for 30% of the overall increase in healthcare costs between the late 80s and, and today. If you look again at other chronic diseases, two-thirds of the increase in costs over the same time period is attributable to the rise in the prevalence of treatable chronic disease. So whether it's obesity or diabetes, Really, that's where the money is being spent in healthcare, and that's what we need to do to arrest the growth in healthcare expenditures. And they're preventable. These conditions are absolutely preventable by stopping smoking, by eating better, by getting in shape. I mean, you can reduce morbidity in these areas by 80% in obesity, diabetes, even cancer, 40% 
could be avoided by changing those three lifestyle variables. So we absolutely believe you got to invest upfront in better diagnostics, more prevention, better education, best practices in the workplace, in our schools, in our communities to really get a grip on the situation. Well, I would like to thank Stephen Eubel, who has been our guest. He is the president and CEO of the Advanced Medical Technology Association, which represents some of the biggest names in medical devices in the world. We're talking about the Johnson & Johnsons, Medtronic, Stryker, and General Electric's Healthcare, just to name a few. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. And I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire medical show library in on-demand podcasts. And I would like to thank you for listening.